theyeshiva.net. Three lines from the bottom on the Vav Ahmed Aleph. In the previous year, as well as two Shiurim ago, the Alter Rebbe explains the fact that every single Jew possesses a second soul, a second nefesh, which he defines as a chilek eleikami mal mamish, truly a part of Hashem above. The Alter Rebbe gives the metaphor of blowing to define the soul, that this soul is actually Hashem blowing, which means a projection and an expression of the divine essence, as well as the metaphor of thought, and finally the third metaphor of the relationship between a child and his father. A child is not only connected to his father by the fact that a certain part of the body of the father is what creates the child, but furthermore, the entity and existence of the child stems from the essence of the father's psyche and character. Or in the terminology of Tanya, the tipa, the semen that creates the fetus, comes from the brain of the father. The brain is, of course, the house of the father's psyche, character, vitality, identity, and soul. And the child comes from there being a projection and a revelation of the father's essence. So is true regarding the nefesh hashenis bi Yisrael, the soul of the Jew, which stems and originates, so to speak, in the wisdom of Hashem. And he continues to say that this wisdom is one. It's interlinked and interconnected to the extent of being one entity with Hashem Himself. He and His wisdom are one, as the Rambam puts it, He is the knower, and He is the knowledge, the knowledge faculty, the the cognitive experience. Now the Alter Rebbe continues and raises a difficulty. And this is the question. Let's see, look inside. Although there are myriads of different gradations of souls of Neshamot, rank upon rank, ad infinitum, there are a myriads of many different levels and ranks in Neshamot of Jews, and these go Gavaya Ma'al Gavaya, rank upon rank, higher and higher, and in an infinite manner. It's not that there is only a relative finite difference between Neshamot. We find that there are such major drastic differences and variations infinitely. La'in Kates. And he gives an example, Kemoi, for example, Gaidel Mailas. For example, the souls of the Avos, the patriarchs Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and of Moshe, our teacher, Moshe Rabbeinu, are by far superior to the souls of our own generation, which belong to the period preceding the coming of Mashiach. Ikveis Mashiach. Ikveis Mashiach is a terminology of Chazal used 
in several areas, most famous at the conclusion of Masechta Saita Nachman Pesamit Beis. The Gemara over there gives the signs for Ikva Mashiach, for the generation that precedes the coming of Mashiach. The Gemara says, Be'ikvais Mashiach Chutzpayaski, in the generation of Ikvais Mashiach, as Rashi translates it, saves man ha-galus lifnei bias mashiach The conclusion of the era of exile of Galus preceding the coming of Mashiach, Chutzpayaski, Chutzpah will accelerate, etc., etc., many signs that... Um, demonstrate the fact that we stand before the coming of Mashiach. So that's what Ikva is Mashiach means. So the Alter Rebbe is saying when you compare the souls of the Avais or Meshur or the like to the Neshamis of these generations of Ikva is Mashiach, so you see that Shehem Pchinas Akvayim Mamash Lagabi Hamayach Varesh. The latter souls are like the very souls, souls without a you. Souls of the feet are like the very souls of the feet in comparison with the brain and the head. Just as it's quite obvious that the life force and vitality found in the souls of the feet cannot possibly be compared to that life force and vitality that's found in the brain or in the heart. It's totally different and there is a drastic difference between the life in the soul and the life in the brain as is obvious, so too can there be no comparison between the souls of these present generations that precede the coming of Mashiach and those souls, which he calls here souls in the category of a head and a brain of earlier generations. And this is true, not only regarding our generations in comparison with earlier generations, but also in each generation we find the same disparity among Nishamas. Yesh Rashi Alpha Yisrael. There are those who are the heads of the multitude of Jews, heads as being the leaders, Rashi Alpha Yisrael, the heads of the multitude of Jews. The reason they are defined as the heads of the Jewish people is because their souls are in the category of head and brain in comparison with those of the masses and the ignorant. So in every single generation, we have a disparity. We have those neshamas that can be termed as heads, brains, hearts, and those neshamas that in a spiritual sense can be termed as the souls of the feet or the like. In other words, and let's begin with the term Ikvais, Ikvais Mashiach. Ikvais Mashiach literally means, Ekev is the soul of the foot, and Ekev Mashiach means the generation that precedes the coming of the Mashiach. So it's at the conclusion of all the generations. Just as the soul of the foot is at the bottom of the body of the human being, and this precedes the coming of Mashiach, which is the climax and the peak of history. On a deeper level, however, the reasons why Jewish generations are called Ikvais Mashiach is explained at length in the writings of the Arizal, is because just as a body of a human being, although it's comprised of many particles, compartments, organs, limbs, bones, sinews, etc., etc., nonetheless... It is a single unit. 
It is one body that is a composite of many aspects. The same is true, writes Darizal, regarding the Klau Yisrael, the collective body of the Jewish people throughout all the generations. That is, albeit the fact there are so many Jews that exist now and existed in the past, everyone with a specific function and distinct character, nevertheless, they all create one single spiritual whole as a body, with many compartments, functions, limbs, and organs. So throughout all the generations, Klai Yisrael creates a Kaima Shlema, one single unit, with many myriads and myriads and millions of compartments and chambers and characteristics. So you have throughout the generations, just as in a body, you have the head, and you have the brain, and you have different parts of the brain. And then you have the stomach, and the ears, and the eyes, and the legs, and the arms. So throughout the history of Klai Yisrael, you have the neshamas that were the heads, the brains, the feet, the stomach, the legs, the arms, etc., etc. Ikvais Mashiach means that the neshamas of the later generations that precede the coming of Mashiach usually are connected to the realm of the feet and the feet itself to the sole of the feet. So that's why it's called Ikvais Mashiach, one of the reasons. Because these neshamas originate and are connected to the realm of the sole of the feet. So how could you compare the neshamas of Ikvis Meshicha to the neshamas of the Avais, Meish Rabbeinu, which were the brain and the heads of the body of Klal Yisrael. Just as Dairizal writes this regarding all the generations together, the same is true in each generation itself. Every generation, the collective Jewish nation of that specific generation, creates one single unit. And in that unit, we have many Jews. And every Jew has a distinct function. But each is a part of one unit, of one body. So you have the heads of Klal Yisrael. These are those Jews who were charged with the mission to assimilate the divine wisdom found in the Torah. These are the Jews who are aware every moment of the godly existence. They are the brain, the mind, the awareness of the Jew. Then you have the hearts of the Jewish people. You have those Jews who are filled with love, compassion, piety, piousness, etc. Then you have the hands of the Jewish people. These are the great builders and achievers that exist in our midst. And then you have the flags of the Jewish people. These are the runners, etc. But two aspects we see. On one hand, there is one unit. On the other hand, everyone has a specific function mission, and they are indispensable, just as in the body. Every organ, bone, sinew has a function, a task, and it, you cannot do without it. The same is true regarding the Jewish people. But nevertheless, we see this difference in the Shamas, between heads, legs, and arms. And he continues even more than this. The same is true between the fashes and the fashes. Ki kol nefesh klula miruach mi nefesh ruach haneshama because every nefesh consists of nefesh ruach haneshama. Although over here generally we talk about two souls that exist in the Jew, 
the nefesh abahamis hachiyunis, the vital animal soul, and the nefesh alakis, the divine soul. In every soul itself, there are of course many compartments, distinctions, and characteristics. Generally speaking, every one of the two nefeshes has three aspects to it. And these are called nefesh, ruach, neshama. Both in the animal vital soul, we have these three aspects in consciousness, nefesh, ruach, neshama, as well as in the divine godly soul, we have the nefesh, ruach, neshama. Generally speaking, nefesh will begin in the animal soul. Nefesh is the functional aspect of consciousness. You have a vitality that allows you to function. Ruach is the emotional experience of the soul. And neshama refers to the cognitive experience and vitality of the soul. The same is true in the godly dimension. Nefesh is that godly consciousness in the person which is functional. And will be the soul that will cause him to function in accordance with his divine awareness convictions. Ruach is a step deeper. Which is the emotional Passionate experience of the divine soul. And Hashem is yet a step deeper, which is the cognitive experience of the divine soul. Of course, the two souls vary essentially. One is of animal nature. One is of divine nature. So the nefesh, ruach, and neshama are expressed and directed in two distinct directions. At least at the initial stages of one's growth and life. But nevertheless... Each possessed the nefesh, ruach, and hasham in their own way. Now, the Alter Rebbe is saying over here, the differences between the souls of Klai Yisrael is not only in the level of ruach and hasham, even in the level of nefesh, nefashes lagabe nefashes, even in the functional level of our divine soul, which over there you might think that there is no difference between Maishu Rabbeinu and I, because functioning we function the same, we both do the same mitzvah. There is a difference in our ruach and our neshama. In what we can experience, in our emotions, and certainly what we can understand. But in the functional level, is there a difference? So he says, no, Why? Because every nefesh per se also encompasses the level of ruach and neshama. In other words, every one of the three levels is interconnected and interrelated with the other levels. So in nefesh itself, there is the ruach, the nefesh dynamic of nefesh, the ruach dynamic of nefesh, and the neshama dynamic of nefesh. And in ruach itself, there is the nefesh dynamic of ruach, etc. So since in the nefeshish itself, we also have the ideas of ruach and neshama, so therefore between nefeshish itself, there is also a difference between your nefesh, my nefesh, your nefesh, in the general divine soul that exists in every Jew. So, what is the va'af? He begun with the af, although. What is the question? The question is, how does this come about? If all the souls of the Jewish people come from the divine wisdom, if we are all children of Hashem in the sense that we are a projection and an expression, of the divine essence, if all these neshamas alubamachshava stem from divine thought, and we all are all, so to speak, a blow of Hashem into our apav, into our into our nostrils, as it says by other Mauritian, from where stem and are created 
these myriads of infinite differences and variations in the shamis to the extent that some souls can be defined as heads and brains and other souls can be defined as toenails or soles of feet. Where does this drastic change and difference stem from? That is the question that perturbs the Alter Rebbe. No. Yeah. Are you, is it being suggested that there's some way in which that we're going to be falling into if it's by our choice or it's by another method that we fall into one of the categories. No, it's not by our choice. Just as in the body, Hashem designates that the leg should be a leg and the arm should be an arm. And everyone possesses their advantage, their unique mission that's indispensable, that's irreplaceable. The same is true regarding the Jewish people. To explain this, Dr. Rebbe returns back to his metaphor. His famous metaphor by now. Understanding the relationship between a child and its father. Because the neshama is defined as being a child of Hashem, or as he discussed in the beginning of the parak. So understanding the biological and physiological relationship between a child and its father, it can better help us to understand the relationship of a neshama to its father, to Hashem, and the relationship of the neshama to other neshamas. Regarding the metaphor of the child to its father, the Alter Rebbe explains four points. And bear with me for several moments. The metaphor and the relationship of a child to the father, there are four aspects. Aspect number one. The fact that there are so many distinctions and compartments and chambers in a human body does not indicate a difference in their origin. In other words... Every single part, limb, organ, sinew, piece of flesh of the child's body stems from one source, and that is the tipa, the seed, which comes from maya ha'av, ultimately is a projection of the brain and wisdom of the father, of the psyche and character and deep identity of the father. That is what is what produces the tipa, the seed, which in turn is fertilized and creates a fetus, a child. So this same tipa generates a life which is comprised of all the different organs and bones and sinews, legs, arms, eyebrows, hand nails until toenails. That's point number one. Point number two, if originally you're dealing with one tipa, one seat, which is rooted furthermore in the essence of the father, where does this entire, vari- all these variations occur? Siddhartha Rebbe says, If the tipa immediately would produce a child, you wouldn't have such a child. But the tipa is conceived by a woman. And she conceives it fertilizes it, nurtures it, and develops it. And through a time of time span of nine months, the tipa exists in the womb of its mother. And through that time span, it develops into many of organs and limbs and bones and compartments from head until toe. 
So although originally you're dealing with one tipa, but through this development and evolution, certain parts of the tipa developed into certain types of body tissue or cell, or what's one cell, or organs or limbs, and other parts remain brain, and others become stomach and hands and legs, etc. That's point number two. Point number three, he says, even after the tipa has changed form and assumed an identity of a leg, of an arm, of a pinky, of a toenail, which all comes from the tipa, even then, every organ still has and possesses a very powerful connection and bond with the Father. That's point number three. And point number four is how. The question is, I can understand the brain of the child still has that connection. Why? Because the brain of the child is the seat of his vitality, consciousness, identity. So you will say that in the brain of the child there is still a, there is a projection of the father. Although physically there are two entities, two distinct realities, but nevertheless at the heart of the consciousness of the child lie an inescapable truth that he is a child of the father. This is in the brain, so to speak, in the mind. That is the indwelling place and the origin and the source of one's life. So there's a twofold aspect over here. First of all, in the brain you'll say there is a projection of the father still. Because what do we mean when we say a child is a projection of the father? We mean, as Dr. Rebbe explains, that the tipa that creates the child is rooted in the father's wisdom, in his vitality, in his psyche, and in his character. And that is what produces a child. So physically, of course, the child is not one. But mentally, from a vitality perspective, psychologically, emotionally, the child is a projection. The child's life and psyche and character is a revelation and a continuum of the father's psyche and character. That exists in the brain of the child. But what about the leg of the child? Of course, the leg comes from the seed, which is a projection of the father's essence and character. But is the leg now a projection of who the father is? The tipa was metamorphosized and transformed into a leg. It's not wisdom anymore. It's not life. But of course, this is wrong. Because if the body of the human being would be 248 distinct organs and 365 distinct sinews, then you're right. But the body of a human being is a unified whole. All limbs and organs are integrated as one unified entity through the central nervous system, which is the brain. So you cannot differentiate between a leg and an arm and a toenail and the brain by saying that only the brain is connected to the father, but they not. Even every aspect of the human body, until the lowest aspect, so to speak, 
which Shalter Rebbe defines as the toenail, but it includes every single word, is intrinsically connected on a continuous basis with the brain. And it's not only connected, there's some link or some bond. It's the totality of its nurture and vitality come from the brain. Every moment of its existence, every aspect of its existence is interrelated and interconnected in a very powerful and deep way with the brain. In some way or another, the brain dwells and is connected to every organ. And essentially, every organ is an extension and a projection of the brain. Thus, the brain is the facilitator of the connection with the Father. But this connection, it imparts to every single organ. And it doesn't impart it as two entities, one inspiring the other. A human body is one thing. The brain is the essence and the central nervous system that integrates it all into one organism, which is a life. Thus, the same as you say that the child, that the wisdom of the child still remains connected with its original source, which is the psyche of the father, because the brain over there is the projection of the child's life and identity. And therefore, over there he never really left the domain from his father on a spiritual level, on a psychological level. The same is true regarding every single organ of the body. So the, the connection doesn't only remain in the brain. Number one, because it's, um, that's where the seat of his solace. And number two, that's where the seat of his identity and recognition of this relationship with his father. But since every organ is an extension of the brain, so this exists regarding every single organ of the child, until the sole of his feet and the toenails of his legs and the toenails of his uh, arm, of his hand. So in the metaphor we have four ideas. Number one, all the legs, all the organs and aspects of the body stem from one origin. What is that origin physically? The tipa, the seat. What is the essence of that seed produced by the father's body, but rooted in the father's psyche, character, soul, and identity in a very deep place of the father and actually his essence. So the tipa is a physical embodiment of the essence of the father's life and soul. And this creates every aspect of the child comes from there. Point number one. Point number two. The different variations in the body of the child, all stemming from the father do not exist, <clears throat> at least in a conspicuous manner, in the tipa, but rather over here you need <clears throat> an evolution nine months in the womb of the mother. And this creates this varied multiplic multiplicity of functions and compartments in the child's body. Point number three, even after the tipa assumed <clears throat> new identities and new forms and new manifestations, it became an arm, it became a stomach, it became an ear, it became an eyebrow. It still remains connected with its original source, which is the maya ha'av, the psyche of the father. Number four, how is this? Because the toenail and the eyebrow is not a distinct entity disconnected and detached from its own brain. But rather it is an integrated whole one, one part and parcel of its brain. And since its own brain over there, the child never left the domain of its father. So this truth 
It imparts, and not imparts again as I giving a stranger something else, but it parts by its very definition to every aspect of the child's body. These are the four truths that exist in the metaphor. And now let's go over to the neshama, where all these four aspects exist as well. Point number one, all the neshamas, no matter who, when, where, every Jew and the neshama of every single Jew stem from one origin, from one essence. That is the tipa, so to speak, which comes from Mayachav. And the Nenimshal, all the Nishamais are a manifestation and an expression of the divine wisdom. That is where they are rooted in. The essence of every single soul is divine wisdom, is, is rooted in the divine essence, in the divine thought, in the divine blow. In the terminology of the Tanya using the phrase Vayipach. That's what all the Nishamis are. And over there, of course, you have Chachma, you have wisdom. It's one single unit of the Father. And this is where all the Nishamis come from. That's point number one. You should not think that some Nishamis are rooted in other levels. But every single neshama comes from that tipa, which is a projection of the Father's essence and soul. How are there differences in neshamas? So this is point number two. Just as in the metaphor, the tipa does not immediately produce a fetus after the tipa is released, after the seed is emitted, emitted. But rather it has to go through a state of evolution. Hence... The variations and metamorphosis, the same is true in the nimshal. The divine wisdom goes through what the Alter Rebbe uses the term, a, a, a system called Hishtalshalus Ha'elamais. Hishtalshalut Ha'olamad. This is from a very famous term used very often in the literature of Kabbalah and Hasidus known as Seder Hishtalshalus, which means the evolution of the worlds. Seder Hishtashalus means the order of evolution. Hishtashalus Ha'ilamis thus means the evolution of the worlds. According to the teachings of the Kabbalah, Hashem employed a system, an order of evolution in creating the worlds. Hashem did not begin creation by just one day, 57, 57 years ago, on a Sunday, create a physical universe as we know it, with planets, galaxies, vegetation, <clears throat> the sun, the moon, water, dry land, etc. That's not how it happened. There was rather an evolutionary process. Hashem, Torah, the Torah explains, begun by creating all existence in their most sublime and spiritual form. He then caused them to evolve and metamorphosize in many, many steps and stages into their more concrete incarnations, ultimately producing our physical world, which is the final and most tangible embodiment of these realities. So for example, take a phenomenon like the earth, or the moon, or femaleness, 
according to the Torah, they are all physical, concrete incarnations and embodiments of nurture and receptiveness. They don't begin with a physical moon or physical earth. It begins in a much more sublime and spiritual form. And in the Torah terminology, it's the concept called nurture and receptiveness. Nurture and receptiveness evolves, becomes more concrete and more tangible until it's embodied in a very physical, concrete domain, which is the world as we see it and we know it. Water, light, and love are all elements of giving or bestowal, which are not concrete at all, not physical at all. This is the stage of evolution. So it is with every single entity, phenomenon, and every single concept that is part of our existence. Each exists on the many levels of Seder Ishtashalot, of the order of evolution, beginning from its most abstract and undefined form, spiritual form, down to the objects and forces of our physical existence. Now with each descending step and stage in this order of evolution, the world becomes that much more material and corporal, that much more removed from its divine source. We're in the former spiritual stages. The realities still discern their source, their origin, their purpose, their function. Once they are embodied in our most physical and concrete incarnation, they are so much more detached from their divine source to the extent that they can totally conceal and obscure that they even have a source, that they even have a purpose and function besides the function of I am. That is briefly the concept called Seder Ishtalshalos. The Alter Rebbe says that generally speaking, the order of evolution is comprised of four realities, four worlds, if you will. And in Kabbalistic terminology, these four worlds are called, he uses the acronym over here, Abiya, Atsilus, Bria, Yitzira, Asiya. The highest and beginning of the evolutionary state of realities is called the reality of Atsilus, which means the reality of the world of emanation. And over there, all reality, all phenomenon exist on their most spiritual and sublime level, actually on a godly level of existence. And then there is the next stage of evolution is called the stage of Bria, creation, followed by formation, Yitzira, and followed and finalized by action. And in action itself, there is the spiritual evolutionary stage of action. And finally, the physical one, which is the world that we inhabit in the present day and age. So the Chachma, it all begins in the world of Atzilus, the world of emanation, generally speaking. And that begins, every world, of course, like our reality, is comprised of so many features. They All these features exist in the first stage of evolution. Because evolution means that in the first stage, the future is there, but in a very undefined and more spiritual form. It begins with Chachma, wisdom. Conception. And that's where the Nishamais are rooted. But this Chachma evolves. It evolves through these worlds, through these realities. So just as in the metaphor, when the tipa, when the seed spends that time span of nine months 
evolving, developing, being nurtured, changing, metamorphosizing, transforming itself, assuming new identities of arms, of legs, of stomachs, of feet, etc. The same is true in the spiritual sense of the neshama. That this tipa goes through a stage of evolution, or this chachma, the divine wisdom, evolves, and through its evolution it assumes and is transformed into the identities of lower levels of reality. Where over there, there is not that same intensity and clear-cut projection of its original source. Just as the tipa assumes its new identities, and you lose already, in a conspicuous way, that intensity and revelation of the Father's essence of psyche and character. Now you see a leg, an arm, a nose, nostrils, etc., so the neshama goes through the state of evolution. Atzilas bri yitzira asiya. In other words, the chachma coming from the chachma. And therefore, so many types of neshamas are created. So in Kabbalah, you'll always have those neshamas that are defined. Neshamas, the bria, the yitzira, the asiya. What do we mean by this? The neshamas, as they go through the state of evolution, each one goes through the entire state. But some are affected more than others. So some... Assume only the identity of the world of Bria. But Yitzira and Asiya, totally not connected to their reality. So when they come down to a body, they view the world and view reality and view themselves from the Bria stage of evolution. They see phenomenon and appreciate it from the Bria perspective. Which doesn't mean that they're not physical people. They're physical people, but they see in physicality its origin from the world of Bria. Then there are those who are a step lower, and those who are yet a step lower in Asiya. And in every world itself, is, every world itself is so multifaceted, and so many dimensions and aspects to it. From here stem all the variations and differences in Hashamas. So in the spiritual organism called Klal Yisrael, the collective body of Jews, Jewish people, you have the legs and the arms. And the stomach, and in the stomach itself you have so many compartments and chambers and organs and sinews. Each one is a distinct neshama. Does it mean the source is different? No, the source is the same. But through the process of evolution, every neshama assumed its own identity. Point number two. Now point number three. Even after the neshama has assumed the identity through the new identities through the process of evolution, you may think... That now it's disconnected to its original source. You'll say that it comes from Chachma. But Chachma changed. It was transformed. Once upon a time, it was a tipa. And that tipa is a direct result of the Father's wisdom. But now it changed into an, a leg. It changed into a thumb. It's not anymore a projection of the Father. So you say no. Even now it's connected. So every neshama is still connected and linked and bound with its original source. And point number four, how is this? How is this? So now we have the last point. Just as in the mashal, there is the brain of the child which is the facilitator of this bond and connection with the father. And since all parts of the body are part and parcel of the brain, so they are also essentially and inherently connected with the Father. The same is true regarding the neshama of every single yid. 
Klal Yisrael is one organism. One organism. So there are those neshamas that evolved. Then, in every generation, Hashem planted in our midst souls of Jews who did not go through this process of evolution. Their neshamas came straight, so to speak, from the divine wisdom. Meaning, from being a projection of the divine essence straight into a body. So although they, everyone goes through the process of evolution, it did not affect them in any manner. So when they are enclosed in a body and live their day-to-day life, what is their perspective on themselves, on their life? They see the world with the glasses of Elam HaTzilus, which is the godly dimension of reality, which is how reality is in its first stage of evolution when Hashem conceives it. That's how they see every phenomenon, every creature. Thus they can discern the ultimate purpose and function of it from Hashem's perspective. And since their neshama is directly from the tipa, so to speak, the tipa did not change. By them it was not transformed into a leg, into an arm. It still remains totally intact, even on a revealed level. So by them, by these peoples, by these neshamas, the connection to the Father, the very powerful and intimate, profound connection with the Father, is a vivid reality on the most basic, fundamental and revealed level. These neshamas are called the brains, the heads of Klal Yisrael. Rashi Alpha Yisrael in the terminology of Tanya. The heads of the multitude of Yisrael of the Jewish people. Now, if we would be disconnected from these heads, so you'll say all of our neshamas come from Eleikami Ma'al Mamish. They come from the Chachma of Hashem. But now, now you were metamorphosized. Now you were transformed into a new identity. So we say no. Since there is one organism and the brain is the central nervous system, so the neshamas of Rashi Alpha Yisrael are the central nervous system that both facilitate our connection to the Creator and integrate us as one whole. Thus, even the legs of Klai Yisrael, the toes, even the toenails, which means the lowest neshamas, the neshamas that went through the whole stage of evolution to the lowest level, and therefore were affected the most, are still connected in a very powerful way with their original essence, which is the divine wisdom, and thus every neshama is a chelek elei kamimam, which is truly a part of God, is a godly essence. A chelek elei kamimam is truly part of Hashem above. If we would be disconnected from our brains, then this would not, this would not be true. But since, essentially, the Hashem made in the soul of Israel a central nervous system, which are the neshamas of the Rashi Alfi Yisrael, which are like the brain. So these brains, these heads, are connected with every organ, every limb, every body. So at the essence of every soul is the brain, is the wisdom, is the projection of the Father's essence. That is the essence of every soul. The Rashi Alfi Yisrael, it's in a revealed manner. But they, that is actually the essence of the nail and of the toe and of the leg. They are all brains. Through the brain, the revealed brain of the child. So this is what makes a constant bond and connection 
in the most profound of manner of every neshama to its original source. And that's why there is this concept of Rashi Alfi Yisrael, as he explains, the head of the Jewish people, which by them, them you call the brain, the heads, the minds. There is a story told in the times actually of the Balatanya. Times of the Balatanya, the author of the Tanya, it was the beginning in the 18th century, and early and uh, end of 18th century and early 19th century was when the movement of Ascala, the movement of enlightenment in Germany and other parts of Europe, began to spread. And there was a particular chassid of the Balatanya, a disciple and pupil of his, who came to visit a city for the sake of collecting funds <clears throat> for Jewish prisoners, for Pidyan Shvuyim, to be able to release them from their captivity. And the system in that city was, as in every city, that to raise a funds you have to give a sermon in the shul on Shabbos. It's the first thing you have to go to the rabbi, and the rabbi tests you, both your knowledge and your integrity and your nature, and he's the one who decides if he's going to allow you to have the pulpit in the central synagogue <laughs> of the city. Now this city, particular city, was infested by masculine, by enlightened Jews as they were called, who did not believe in continuing a lot of the traditions and practices of the earlier generations. And the rabbi was one of them. So when the chassid came to visit the rabbi on Friday and beseech him and request from him to allow him to talk, the, the rabbi asked him immediately, what is your perspective on chassidim? Because chassidus, chassidus was one of the strongest oppositions and opposers, chassidim and generally and the movement of chassidism, to the Haskalah, because Hasidus was, uh, came on the contrary to enhance Yerushamayim, fear of Hashem and vitality in Torah and Mitzvahs. And this is what they were trying to uh, move away from. So we asked him, what is your opinion on the Hasidim? So he says, ah, the Hasidim, they think about themselves all day. He says, and that's the difference, he says, between Hasidim and you guys. You guys think about Hashem all day. And the Chassidim think about themselves all day. He says, excellent. What a beautiful, most eloquent phrase. You have the pulpit tomorrow morning. Very good. And up, he gave a sermon. He collected his money. Jews are Balei Tzedakah. They gave him the charity. And he was, everyone was happy. Sunday morning, he was staying at the Rav's house. He uh, said goodbye and he gathered up his packages. He was ready to leave. So the leaving, the Rav thanks him again for, uh, for being here and for sharing his thoughts and ideas with him. So before the Chassid leaves, he says just one thing. I told you a statement Friday about the difference between Chassidim and you people. I just want to clarify it, what I meant. What I meant was like this. By you people, there is an axiom, an absolute axiom and certainty that you exist. That's a given. That's granted. So all day you're thinking about Hashem. Does He exist? Does He exist? And if He does exist, how does He exist? And if how does He exist? Why does He exist? He needs Him. If He does exist, does it mean anything to me? Etc. The fact that you exist is a given, granted. Nothing to think about. That's a fact. You exist and you have to take care of yourself. The question is about Hashem. 
It says, by chassidim, it's the other way around. The fact that Hashem exists, <coughs> that's an absolute. That's reality. The question is on you. So all day they're thinking, do I exist? Do I not exist? If I exist, how can I exist in the all-pervadedness, reality, and truth of Hashem? How do I exist? And if I already do exist, why do I exist? Why should He create a creature like me? So basically all day they're contemplating themselves. And the Chassid said, goodbye, have a nice day. This is what the Chassid said. But in, in, in the terminology of Chassidus, this, con- this conception, this perspective, is called four words. Elekuz bepshitis or metziyiz beishachos. Or, metziyiz bepshitis velekuz beishachos. Two perspectives on reality. One perspective is metziyiz bepshitis, which means the reality that we discern and we conceive, that is reality. That is truth. Elekuz, godliness, is a chidush. It's superimposed. It's news. It's foreign alien news that we struggle to integrate to believe in, to connect to, and somehow. There is another perspective, the other way around. Elokuz bipshitus. Godliness elokuz is bipshitus. It with the utmost simplicity in the sense that that is what reality is. Mitzius. Mitzius, which means reality as we know, that's bishachus, that is superimposed. Most neshamais which go through the stage of evolution cannot have that notion at least in the beginning. Because it's antithetical to the realities that they were molded by. Their origin comes from there. But the stage of evolution affects them. So Hashem planted in our midst Rashi Alpha Yisrael, which are neshamas that are by definition otherworldly. By them, godliness is not something they experience at times, at times of inspirations, they speculate about it, they integrate it. It's part and parcel of their everyday existence. Those are the glasses through which they discern every phenomenon, every reality, beginning with themselves, beginning with their fellow people, and beginning with the entire universe. Today is the birthday in Yardset of Meshur Rabbein, right? Zion Adar. There's a debate, beginning with Gemara, if it's Adar Adar Moshe, the Balatanya explains elsewhere, is named Moshe because the daughter of Parai, as the Pasuk says, has drawn him out of water. Thus she named him Moshe Kimin Hamayim Mishisihu. I have drawn him out of water. Now, the Midrash says other names that Moshe had that his own parents gave him. But nevertheless, it's characteristic, the Balatanya points out, that for eternity, how do we define Moshe? the first and foremost leader of the Jewish people, the one who gave us the Torah, we define him with the name that the daughter of Pari gave him. Most Jews are not even aware that Moshe has any other name that his own parents gave him. Moshe had a bris, and his parents gave him a name. But that's in the Medrash. We all know Moshe. Balatanya says, because that defines what Moshe is all about. What is, what is Moshe all about? He was drawn out of water. Rebbe says like this, the difference between dry land and sea one major difference is, although in the sea there exist all species that exist on dry land, Gemara says, in Chulin, all that's in the sea is in dry land, all that's in dry land is in the sea. But one major difference. In dry land, although we are very connected to our earth, which is the source of our nourishment in a significant manner, 
Nevertheless, we can be physically disconnected from our source. To the extent that 20th century man has managed to leave the atmosphere of earth totally for a significant amount of time. But even a person down here, you could jump and, and you're not totally disconnected with the earth. Water creatures are not only connected to their source of life, but they're submerged in it. If a fish lives, leaves the water, it's not only not comfortable, it's antithetical to life for a fish to leave the water. What is Moshe? Moshe, we call him Moshe. Why? He was drawn out of water. This defines what the quintessence of Moshe is. That although he's living on dry land, he's a human being of flesh and blood, he's essentially a water creature. What is a water creature in the spiritual sense? Someone who is submerged constantly in his source of life. We are dry creatures. Because we went through the state of evolution. Maisha remains on, in our world a water creature who is totally submerged. So the name Maisha conveys who he is. That is the point of Rashi Alpha Yisrael. There are the heads in every generation who make godliness a real reality. Because by them it's a real reality. And I emphasize a real reality. And a real reality means just as a hundred dollar bill by us is reality and a cup of water is reality, and our bodily needs are reality, by these people, the godly dimension of existence is reality. Total reality. These are the brains, the heads, in which the Father's essence is so conspicuously projected. But since we are all one whole, and this is our spiritual nervous system, so via these heads... We are all connected essentially to that same essence because we are all brain on some level. Even the toenail is a brain on some level. The brain is its vitality, is its spiritual nervous system. So therefore every neshama is a in that sense. Let's see it inside. Mikal makayim. What's the difference between nefesh, roch, neshama, yechid, chaya? It's we can discuss it later. It's not connected to what we're talking about now. Mikal makayim. Nevertheless, you see the line that starts makayim. Mikal makayim. Nevertheless, shaydesh kol ha nefesh, roch, neshama kulam. The root of every nefesh, roch, neshama. Meireish kol hamadregis at seif kol dargin from the highest of all ranks to the lowest. To the lowest of all ranks, which are those souls, Hamalubish Begufamiyaritz Vikalsha Bakalim, those souls embodied within the illiterate and the most light minded of light minded Jews, All are derived as it were from the supreme mind, which is defined as Chachmaila, supernal wisdom. Referring to the divine wisdom, the divine Chachma in Kabbalistic terminology is called Chachma Ilah, the supernal wisdom. All souls come from there. It's analogous to a child who is derived from his father's brain. Even the nails of his feet come into existence from the very same drop of semen which comes from the Father's brain. How then will you ask were the nails created from it? Al yidei shihiyasa tisha chadashim 
by being in the mother's womb for nine months. Descending degree by degree, changing continually until even the nails are formed from it. So although the child's organs all derive from the same source, the drop of semen which comes from the father's mind, yet they develop into entities as radically diverse as nails and brains. Ve'im kalzat. But nevertheless, notwithstanding this drastic variation of organs, Oidenok Shura Umiyuchedes, Biyichud Niflava Atsum, Bimuhusava Atsmusa Harishan Shaisatipas Marechav. It is still bound to and united in a wondrous and mighty unity with its original essence and being, namely, the drop of semen as it came from the father's brain. Although the semen was now converted into a toenail, it is still connected with its original essence, with its first essence. How is that? So he explains. Because vegam achshav beven, even now in the sun, now, yinika satsiparnayim vechayusam, nimsheches mehamayach shabereish. The nails receive their nourishment and life. From the brain that is in his head. The nails derive their life from the child's brain. The nails are subservient and subordinate to the brain. They are an extension of the brain. They are intrinsically connected to the brain. And the brain of the child, that is the seat of his identity and of his consciousness, certainly always remains a projection of the father. So thus even the nails are also in a wonderful and mighty unity bound up with their essence presently. Not only did they stem from it, but even now they are intrinsically connected to it. As it is written in Gemara Nida over there, the Nida that was quoted in the beginning of the Tanya, that an oath is dismissed, administered to every soul, be it tzaddik and not be a rush. The next page in Nida, the Aflamir Aleph Amir Aleph, the Gemara says... That every single human being has three partners. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem, his father and his mother. The Gemara says his father in Shredu the white semen, Shemimenu Gidim Vatsamiz Vitsipornayim. Ukamesha Kosov, Beitzchayim Shara Hashmal beside Levushim Shaladamarishim Beganadin, in Eitzchayim of the Ariza, in the Shar, the portal which is called Shar HaKashmal. Which is Shar Mem Aleph in Eitzchayim at the conclusion of chapter one, the Arizal discusses the esoteric principle of Adam Harishain's garments when he was in Gan Eden, that they, the garments, were of nails derived from the cognitive faculty of the brain. It's a long discussion over there in Kabbalah. How the garments of Adam, nails, when in Ganadin, before the sin of the eight Sadas, were connected with the cognitive faculty of the brain. So just as physically we see, the Gemara says that the nails stem from the white of the father's semen, the same is true in the esoteric dimension, that even the nails of other Mauritian were intrinsically connected with his cognitive experience, which is of course the Mayach. So now, the Alter Rebbe concludes that exactly so as it were is the case. 
is the case with regard to every nefesh ruach and in the community of the Jewish people on high. That they all stem from the same source. They are all a projection of the divine essence. But by the soul descending degree by degree, through the evolution of the worlds, Atzilut, Bria, Yitzira, Asiya, the worlds of Atzilus, the world of emanation, the world of Bria, the world of creation, the world of Yitzira, formation, and the world of Asiya, the world of action, which is an evolution from his Chachma, from his wisdom. Just as in the physical metaphor, the semen which comes from the Father's wisdom evolves. So over here, the wisdom evolves in, through many worlds and realities. Kidiksiv, as it is written in Tehillim Kuvdalet, Kulam Bechachma Asisa. You have made them all with wisdom Chachma, which means everything emanates from Chachma, which is the source of the evolution. Everything was made, created from Chachma. So through this descent, Nishavu Mimenu, Nefesh Ruach Neshama Shal Amayaharet Subchusiyarech. Through this descent, the Nefesh Ruach Neshama of the ignorant and least worthy came into being. Vi'im Kalza, nevertheless, notwithstanding the fact that they have already became souls of lower levels, Aidena, they remain bound and united with a wonderful and mighty unity with their original essence, namely an extension of supernal wisdom. How is that? So the Alter Rebbe explains, key because... For the nature and life of the nefesh ruach and neshama of the ignorant, are, for the nurture, I mean, for the nurture and life of the nefesh of the ignorant are drawn from the nefesh ruach and neshama of the righteous, of the tzaddikim, and the chachamim, the sages, the heads, of Israel in their generation. With this we will understand the statement of the Machazal. Al Pasik Uladafkabai on the Pasik in Parshis Vayelach Uladafkabai Meshrabenu tells the Yidin Laava Sashamalekha to love Hashem your God Uladafkabai to cleave unto him kihu chayechava erichemecha because he is your life and your length of days. So Chazal and Mesich Teksuvim, Dafkof Yid Aleph and Medbeis, ask the question, Ola Dafka boy, how could you connect to Hashem? How could you connect to the Shechina? We are corporal beings of flesh and blood. How could we cleave unto the reality of the Shechina, the reality of Hashem? So the Gemara explains, Shekal Hadavik B'Talmidei Chachamim, Ma'ila Alav HaKasuv, Ki'ilu Nidbak B'Shechina Mamash. For one who cleaves, to a Talmud Chachem, I'm sorry, I said Shakaladavi B'Talmud Chachem, it's not plural. Shakaladavi B'Talmud Chachem, Ma'alav HaKasav Kilinid B'Gushchina Mamish. Someone who cleaves unto a Talmud Chachem, a Torah scholar is deemed by the Torah to have actually become attached to the Shechina, to the Divine Presence. And this 
is seemingly difficult to understand. A Talmud Chachim is a human being, a flesh and blood, a human being like other human beings. So how does the Gemara say that by cleaving and connecting yourself to the Talmud Chachim, the Torah deems you as if you are Davuk with the Shechina Mamash? How do you un- how do we understand this? Derech Agav, before we go to the answer, uh, this is a Gemara, as I mentioned, the Ksuvah is Davkof Aleph. The Rambam in Hilchis Deis, Perek uh, Vav Halacha Beis, also says, Mitzvah's Asay Lehi Davik, Betchachamim, Betalmideim, Kedei Lilmid, Bemaaseim, Keinian Shinemero, Bay Sidbak. He uses another Pasik, but he says it's a Mitzvah's Asay to cleave. And to Chachamim and their Talmidim to learn from their Maisim, as it says, Kai Sidbak. Amru Chachamim befirush mitzvah zuhi dabek, bechachamu betalmideim. Our sages interpret this mitzvah as meaning that one must cleave unto Chachamim and their Talmidim. Similarly, Rashi says this also in Dvarim Perikid Aleph, all based on the Gemara and Ksuvis. But how are we to understand this? Ki al yidei dveka betalmidei Chachamim. Because... Through attachment to Talmidei Chachamim, to the Torah scholars. Kshura is nefesh ruach and neshama The nefesh ruach and neshama of the ignorant are bound up and they are united with their original essence, v'sharsham and their root, in supernal wisdom, in the divine wisdom. So what? So it's only Chachmeilah, so the Rebbe continues, no, Shohu Yizbarich V'chachmasa Yechad. He and his wisdom are one. V'hu ha-mada chulu. And Hashem says is the knowledge and the knower, like the Rebbe spoke in the beginning of the period from the Rambam, that Hashem and his wisdom are not two distinct entities, but rather he is the knower and he is the means of knowledge, the cognitive means of experiencing knowledge. So Hashem and his Chachma are one, so when you are Connected to Chachmei Law, you're connected to the Shechina itself. That's the explanation in Kehilu Nidbag B'Shechina Mamash. Because Chachmei Law is one with Hashem, so therefore Chachma can be defined as the Shechina. And this is the explanation in the Gemara, that connecting to the Shechina is to Talmud HaChamim. What does that mean? What it means is as follows. When you connect to the Talmud Chachm, to the Rashi Alpha Yisrael, who is the brain, who is the head, in the sense that by him, the godly essence and origin of Chachma is a revealed conspicuous reality in his life in every aspect. And you are connected to him. So what this does to you is you're also part of that brain reality. You are also connected with your first essence, which is Chachma. Since that is our essence, our origin, it just assumed a new identity. So by an active connection to our brain, we are connected to our first essence, which is the Chachma of the Father. So therefore, kol adavik b'talmidei chachamim, ma'ila lavakasav kilu nidbak b'shechina mamish. There is a gewaldika chsam sefer. In Shalsa Tshuva's chsam sefer, erechayim, in Simen Kuf Samachvav. That it's a very common phenomenon that when you're talking to a king, you get, or to a hierarchy, you take someone who's well experienced, someone who's an eloquent speaker, who has the proper choice of words, and can convey them in the most superb fashion to get the message across. 
So although you want to talk to the king, you take another person who is more professional to talk to the king for you. He says, Eden, when they talk to Hashem, don't need that. They have an essential connection. They could talk directly to Hashem. They don't need an intermediary to interpret, to explain, to enlighten, to get the king more enthused about your beseeching. You have a direct connection. He says, that's however, if you're coming to another person. So regarding Hashem, what are you going to a malach for? You have a direct connection to Hashem. But he says, regarding when you come to another yid, Achkal Yisrael shutfim echad, v'guf echad v'nefesh echad. All yidin are partners and are one body and one soul. When one Jew is aggravated and in pain and grief, the other Jew on a true level senses it and feels it and is also in pain. When one yid davens for another yid, he has to become sick on it. He has to feel for him. He has to see himself also ill. So when two Jews are aggravated and one Jew is in the pchina of a leg and one is in the pchina of a head, it's much better that the head should go in to talk to the king than the foot. And he gives a mash, a Talmud Chachim is in the pchina of a head. So when a Jew is aggravated, the Talmud Chachim, the head, feels his pain. Because it's, it's, it's one body, it's one organism. This is the leg of this brain. This brain is the spiritual nervous system. So if there's a choice, who should go in the head or the leg? The head is usually more eloquent. So you come to the head, you ask the head to down. And that's the whole idea. The Gemara says in Baba Basid of Kufta Zayin that You should go to a Chachim in your city and ask Rachmanis. And it's the concept of Rashi Alfi Yisrael. Because in addition to the Rashi Alfi Yisrael being the facilitator of our connection with the Father, being that they are the spiritual nervous system, they sense the pain of every Jew. And this is a second role. It's not second as something different and alien but just in talking, and making sense out of it, this is the second aspect of Rashi Alfi Yisrael. That they sense the pain and feel the pulse of every single Jew. When you're an arm, not necessarily you sense the foot. But the brain is the spiritual center nervous system of every aspect of the body. And therefore the Rashi Alfi Yisrael, who is the brain in this world, senses the physical and spiritual pain and agony and problems Every single Jew, no matter where they live, what type of Jews they are, where they come from, where they're going, because this is a part of the brain, it's an extension of the body. It's part of the body, part and parcel of the body. So when we understand that when al Rebbe talks over here about Talmidei Chachamim, I believe he's not just referring to a Yid who has a good mind and studied a lot of Torah. But in line how he explains it in the time that we understand the definition of a Talmud Chacham over here is much deeper. It's a Jew... Who not only studied the Torah, but became one with Torah. It's a Jew who Torah is the reality of this Jew's life. It's a Jew which makes in his very flesh and blood real, on the most deepest level, the Torah of ink and parchment. It's a Jew which every fiber and sinew of his existence attests to the truth of Hashem Echad. That there's one Hashem and there's nothing else besides him. It's a Jew 
who experiences that every day of his life, every moment of his life, the pain and the agony of every single Jew, of a man, a woman, and a child. It's a Jew who facilitates and integrates Klai Yisrael. It's a head. And in every generation, Hashem planted these heads, these Rashi Alpha Yisrael. These are these Jews. And this is also the Jew who realizes the unique preciousness of every organ. Because the brain is the spiritual nervous system that integrates them as a whole and can also teach every organ its unique function and mission which it can implement in its life and it's indispensable for. In a sense, it can be seen the Reich as a conductor of a large symphony or orchestra. Every symphony is one person who has a unique instrument. And your instrument is indispensable for the concert. And if you will decide... I don't want to play my instrument. There is something missing in the beauty of it. On the other hand, if you want to take on someone else's instrument, no, that's also wrong. Your shlameless, your perfection is playing your instrument. And you have something to contribute that no one else has to contribute. And the same is true with every neshama. Every neshama is one organ, one limb, or a part of a limb that is indispensable in the sense that it has a unique contribution which Hashem designated for it through its specific journey of evolution that it has to achieve in this world. And then you have the Rashi Alpha Yisrael, which is the head, the spiritual nervous system, that sees it all on that perspective and can help every person appreciate their distinct mission in the global collective organism, just as in our physical brain. We must be in tune with our mind to know what our hand has to do, what our foot has to do. Spiritually, if everyone wants to fulfill the shlichus, the mission of their soul on earth, they have to turn to the brain. The brain is the one who imparts the collective mission and destiny of the entire generation and of every single Nisham individual. That is the Rashi Al-Fisa. So even if someone will rebel against the head, it's still his head. But if someone has the opportunity... To make the connection to the head a conscious issue in his day-to-day life. This will make godliness and alakus and emes a vibrant phenomenon in his life. Let's, let's learn another few lines. The parentheses. Now now adds and clarifies in parentheses. As for those who willfully sin and rebel against the Talmud Chachamim, how do they receive their spiritual nurture and life? Since they are Jews, every single Jew has an Ashamach Mal. He's essentially connected. He's part and parcel of that single unit, the spiritual organism that constitutes the body of Klal Yisrael. So therefore, essentially, he also receives life and nurture. So the Alter Rebbe says, how does he receive the spiritual vitality? The nurture of their nefesh ruach and comes from the hind part, as it were, of the nefesh ruach and of the scholars. Later in Tanya, the Alter explains more in detail what does it mean when we say, when we talk about nurture which comes from achirayim, from the hind part. And the metaphor that's usually given for it is the manner, the manner in which a man gives something 
to someone he really dislikes. He's really not interested in giving it to this person. The reason he has to give it to him is by external factors and necessities. So the grudging reluctance with which he gives will be reflected in the manner how he gives it. He'll turn away from him. He'll toss the object over his shoulder. When you're giving something to someone who you love, who you have a powerful affection to, then you give it mepchines ponem. You look, you gaze at the person with love, with affection, with warmth, and so forth. On the other hand, if you're giving it just because you're forced to give it, you're coerced to transmit it to the other person, so it's done mepchines This is physically, and the same is true in the spiritual sphere. When spiritual nurture is given willingly, it's called pchines ponem. It's given from the depth of the giver. He's interested in it, he loves it, he enjoys it. His fervor, his energy, his vitality is imbued in this transmission. But when something, when nurture is given unwillingly, so to speak, it's described as coming from the hind part of the giver, which means it's coming, from, it's an external level of, it's a very external level of nurture, which is alien to the true essence, desire, and identity of the transmitter. So the Altar is making the following point. Every single Jew, by virtue of him or her being Jewish, always receives their spiritual, godly nurture and vitality from the tzaddikim and the chachamim, which are the minds of their generation. Even a Jew who despises the tzaddik and the talmud chacham, who talks against the talmud chacham, who dislikes him, and so on and so forth, that Jew at that very moment is receiving his godly vitality from this tzaddik, from this chacham. But unfortunately, since he chose that the relationship should be a negative one in a conscious way, so the communication of this energy is from the hind part. But that energy is still being communicated to him under all circumstances. So again, by the way of illustration, the physical metaphor. If a pinky, of course it's not practical, it's impractical, but theoretically speaking. If a pinky wakes up one morning and decides, you know, I dislike my brain, I despise it. My brain is selfish, self-centered, disgusting, abhorrent, repulsive. I really hate my brain. You can despise your brain from today till tomorrow. At that very moment, the brain thinks about you and cares about you and transmits nourishment to you and vitality to you and energy and you're now surviving. And the fact that you can despise the brain is coming as a result of the energy the brain is transmitting to you. It's just unfortunate that the pinky doesn't realize that the brain is his very true, beautiful identity and character and so forth. This concludes the parentheses. And in the con- continuation of the chapter, the Alter Rebbe will discuss another issue, which we will learn in Mitzvah Hashem next week. What did we learn today? What is the message that the Alter Rebbe conveyed to us in this parak? In summation, since there are many details, I know it's a little nuanced and complicated, and some of the issues and the issues being discussed are new to many of you. Let's summarize. The point that Alter Rebbe made here. The tipa which creates a child, Alter Rebbe taught, is a physical embodiment of the soul of the father. The very consciousness, identity and soul of the father is imbued, went into this tipa. A child doesn't just stem from a certain external 
physiology, physiological part of the father's body or the energy of the father, but rather a child stems from the quintessential consciousness and soul of his father. The tipa is the physical embodiment of the father's essence, of the father's mayach, of the father's very soul. The child is not just a creature, is not just a object, an entity that the father produced, that the father created. He is his child. Now this truth, that he is a child of his father, it's true, the Alter Rebbe says, about every single part of the child's body. The fact that he's a son, that he's a child of his father, a son or a daughter, is true about every single part of the child. A father loves the fingernail of his son, of his daughter, as much as he loves his brain, as much as he loves his face. He loves his nose as much as he loves his glaring, beautiful blue eyes. He loves the hind part of the sole of his child's foot which might be dirty as much as he loves his beautiful face, his beautiful mouth, his brain, his wisdom. We're talking about a healthy a healthy father and a healthy child. I mentioned when we, in the beginning of Perik Beis, the Alter Rebbe is addressing here the condition, the healthy condition with which Hashem created the universe. As the Alter Rebbe saw a father and a child, the father loved the child with every fiber of his being. And conversely, the child loved his father with every fiber of his or her being. Unfortunately, today, so often that is not the case. But essentially what Alter Rebbe is telling us here is that if that's not the case, something very unhealthy is happening. Because under the, in the natural scheme of things, this is what type of relationship should transpire between a parent and a child. Did you ever see a real loving, healthy father embrace, kiss the child? He kisses the dirt in his toenail with the same love, zealousness, and fervor with which he hugs him and kisses his nose and his mouth and his head and so forth. Why? Because the totality of the child is part of him. The totality of the child touches him in the deepest way. Touches him in his quintessence. Not only the face, not only the brain. The totality of the child comes from that tipa, which is an embodiment of the quintessence of the father. It's just that as a result of a very of a nuanced, complex development process, so from the same tipa, various organs were produced drastically different. So here we have a head and here we have a foot. comes Dal Tereb and continues and says, you cannot come and speculate and suggest that this connection, this powerful bond, exists only in the brain and the mind of the child. Why? Because that's where the child's soul is. That is the abode of the child's psyche, soul, character, and identity. So in that space of his life, he never left the domain of his father. Because that's where is the, that's, that's where is the, in that place is the life, the psyche, the character, the identity of the child, which is indeed a continuum of the essential soul and identity of the father. 
So there the bond, still the bond and the connection, which is an essential connection, is still intact. But what about the other parts of the body? The other parts of the body are separate. The other parts of the body, since they're defined by physicality, physically the child became a distinct separate entity from the father. They're now two people. Originally, it all came from the tibo, which came from the father. But nevertheless, now, the leg, the arm, and the other part, the other organs and parts of the body are different. It's a separate entity, a distinct entity. And this physical entity of the child is obviously separated from the physical entity of the father. So in the place of the child's life where there's soul, in his brain, in his wisdom, there we say the contact, the connection is in full, in its full intensity, in full intact, totally, nothing changed. We could understand that. But other parts of the body, perhaps we can say, no, here there's a separation. So that Rebbe says the truth is not. So why? Because the soul that exists in the brain is not relegated to the brain exclusively. That very soul and consciousness of the child exists in all the organs of the body. So the same connection that he experiences in his mind, he also experiences in all the other organs of the body as well. So the father loves the toenail and the fingernail of his child as much as he loves his eyes and his nose and his mouth and his brain and everything else. In every part, the child is in every dimension, every iota, every particle, as minute and as significant as it may seem of the child. No difference, because the same soul that exists in the brain exists in every organ of the body. You're dealing with one unit, the same consciousness the brain transmits to every single organ of the body. And the same is true in the nimshal. The soul of a Jew, like the tipa, embodies the soul of the Father. The Neshama of Ayid is an embodiment, so to speak, of Hashem's inner soul. He and His wisdom are one. So the Neshama which comes from Chachma, like the Tipa, is the embodiment, the spiritual embodiment of the Father's very soul and consciousness. This truth is true, says the about all the parts of the Tipa. In this aspect, the head and the leg are identical. The neshama, which is defined as a nail, is identical in this sense of the neshama, which is defined as a head. As a result of a nuanced evolutionary process, the very same tipa has been transformed into various organs. But all of them come from the same tipa, which is the embodiment of the very soul of the father. So the neshama, which is the leg, is no less a mamish, is no less a child of Hashem than the neshama which remained in the level of brain and the level of mind. Lest you say that this connection, this bond, only exists in the neshamis of chachma, in the neshamis of chachmelah. Because over there the father's identity is still felt and realized. Over there the father's psyche and soul and character and life force and personality is still felt. But in the other organs there has been a separation. Truth is no, says Dr. Rebbe. That very consciousness of the mayach is shared by every single organ of the body. Every neshama is The Rashbats, one of the great Hasidim of the Tzemach Tzedek, Rebbe Maharash, the Rebbe Rashab, third, fourth, and fifth Lubavitcher Rebbes. His name was Rebbe Shmuel Betzalel. He was a great Hasid. He was once talking about the soul of a Jew. And he expressed himself in Yiddish. He said, Anishama 
is chachmei law in hazak flesh mitzudikabeinen. The soul of a Jew is chachmei law, is the supernal godly wisdom, enclosed in a sack of meat with boiling hot bones. And he began weeping bitterly. Remembering the tragedy, so to speak, of a neshama, the fate of a neshama. Every neshama is chachmila. Every neshama is a child of Hashem. Not just a creation, not just a product, not just something coming from his external energy. Something that's rooted in his very essence. And that has a unique relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as a child has a relationship with his father. With his father and a father has a relationship with his child. That's the point that Rebbe was making here. Yeah. Seems like Valter Rebbe disregards you asking the connection between a mother and a child. What about the powerful connection between a mother and a child? Okay, certainly there's no question about it that the bond between a mother and her child, a son and a daughter, is extremely powerful. In fact, let's not forget that the identity of a Jew, what determines if he or she is Jewish or not, is determined primarily by the mother, not according to the father. In other places, the Al-Tirebbe himself explains, in other Hasidic discourses, that the relationship between a mother and a child is far more deeper than the connection between a father and a child. But one thing has to be understood. In this chapter, the Al-Tirebbe is not discussing or analyzing the nature of the relationship between parents and children. He is discussing the nature of the relationship between the neshama of the Jew and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And he says that to understand this, the nature of this relationship, Hashem planted in our physical world a parable which can help us understand somewhat the nature of this relationship. And the metaphor for this in the physical world is the physiological, biological, and psychological relationship between a father and a child. So his intention is not to discuss a father and a and its ch- and his child per se. If that would be his intention, he would certainly discuss also the nature of the relationship of the mother and her children. Rather, over here he's using the idea of the relationship between a father and a child merely as a metaphor, as a marshal to understand the nimshal, which is the relationship of the neshama and Hashem. Yeah. Yeah. Very good, I made a mistake. I said earlier that Moshe was born... That Moshe had a bris. You're saying that the Medrash says that Moshe was born mole, circumcised. You're right, Taisi. He was born as a shit in Medrash that Moshe was born a mole. Yeah. But I just, but nevertheless, in another place in Medrash, it's the beginning of Ayikarabba, it does say that Moshe Rabbeinu was given ten names. And over there, actually, it's interesting, the Medrash says that Hashem swore to Moshe, he said, Chayach. That from all the names I, that were given to you, I am owing, I am going to call you only with the name of Maisha Rabbi. Only with the name of Maisha. Have a good day and a wonderful week. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.